0: Hey guys, hey ladies, hey friends, hey foes. We just wanted to take a second to remind you that while we're okay swearing when little ears are listening, you might not be, and that's okay. So here's your chance to pause us and wait for nap time, or pop in your earbuds. We hope you enjoy the episode.
1: favorite thing to talk about. Like I've been so excited to talk about it all day that I've been like running around and my kids are like, what's up? And I was just like, we're going to talk about
0: medicine. Mm -hmm. And again, Mm -hmm. it goes back to our philosophy done playing by the rules because a lot of people think that this is a topic that you should not talk about. It is very personal. And so therefore a lot of people don't talk about it and they don't seek help for their mental health issues. And it's a topic that we actually love talking about. So Mm -hmm. get ready. You know why
1: I think we love talking about it? And you and I have said this before, because my family, so my dad's side of the family has horrible heart disease and my Mm -hmm. mom's side of the family has horrible mental health and no one ever talked about it. So when I started having trouble with it, I had nowhere to like nothing to bounce it off of. And then as I became Mm -hmm. an adult, my mom was like, oh, this person had this, and this person had this, Mm -hmm. and this person had electroshock therapy, and this person had to be institutionalized, (laughs) and this person had to this. And I was like, okay. so, And I mean, I knew about my mom's mental health struggles, but I didn't know how hereditary it was and how much Mm -hmm. of it we had in our gene pool. And a lot of people still
0: aren't clear on if it is hereditary. I see a strong link, but I've had doctors say, "Uh, I'm not sure, especially when it comes to like anxiety. Yeah. Um other mental health issues they definitely have a link to, but with anxiety, but my family has a strong history as well and it has a clear path. Um I struggle with it. My dad struggled with it. Um one of his parents, I won't name who, but one of them struggled with it. And it's I think it's very very prevalent thing. And for I was thinking about
1: Yeah, and I was also thinking about that in terms of like I loved talking about nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I had the predisposition in my nature, but I also grew up with some childhood like turmoil um, when my mom got sick and no one was telling us what was wrong with her, which I've talked about before in like, I don't know, I think I was 10 or 11 and she was like a normal mom. And then my dad remembers her. He said she woke up one day and it looked like somebody had put different eyes in her eyes. And he remembers that day, he was like, I went to an auction, I left early because I was worried about your mom. And she was like, never the same again, he said. And so I think that because of the turmoil I had having a mentally ill mom from Mm -hmm. prepubescent to now, so nature and nurture. So I had Mm -hmm. the genetic predisposition, then Later on, I would be diagnosed by therapists as having hypervigilant child syndrome, which is a thing that kids get when they are raised in stressful or alcoholic or drug-dependent households because you have to ele- – I was the oldest, so you elevate to a parent standing before you're ready. And so you're always looking for like the next thing to happen, the next what? fire to start. I've never heard thing. of this, but that is me. <laughs> Welcome. Help hypervi- yeah. There's books on it. I, yeah, I'm going to have my to research that th- my last therapist in Minnesota had books on it and I'd never heard it until her either. And I already had my own kids and I didn't know I was a hypervigilant child. Cause once you're a hypervigilant yeah. child, you're always a hypervigilant child. Cause yeah. that just mm-hmm. is how your brain works. And I'm still so high strung. And so I yes. think I had kind of the perfect recipe and that's what something that you and I have talked about is like your mental health struggles started much, much younger than mine. Like I have okay. no discernible memories of having mental health issues until I was like 17, 18. And you okay. told me, which I didn't even know was possible. I just always assume mental health stuff started when you were 17
0: or 18. Do you want to talk like when do you remember your first mm-hmm. struggles? It was it's a blurry line between kindergarten and pre-kindergarten. Cause I went to kind of like what we did for our boys. Um I went to the same school for like pre-kindergarten what is that? Pre-K and kindergarten. So somewhere in there. So around age five and I had stomach aches every single day. And it was always in the morning before school and at night. And I would insist on like, and then I was like paranoid about getting sick. So I would ask to like sleep next to a trash can in case I got sick. Um, my mom got diagnosed with cancer when I was two. Okay. Well, right before I was two and started chemotherapy right when I turned two. I personally believe a lot of this is kind of triggered by that because I saw her so sick and throwing up. And I asked my mom, and she said that, like, paranoid about her getting sick. And she did get sick in front of us a few times. Unfortunately, she tried not to. But, you know, as a kid, you pick that up. I was always just not feeling great. But then on like weekends and summers, I was perfectly fine. My mom took me to the doctor, and I was diagnosed with growing pains. So, (laughs) which you can't do anything for growing pains except rest and try and eat healthy. Yeah. And I was not a, I was not diagnosed with anxiety until I was a senior in high school. So
1: it was a long journey. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you knew kind of throughout your entire childhood.
0: But I thought it was was normal. I thought, I thought everyone had that, especially mine has always been exasperated at night. And I mean, I struggle at night still to this day. And as a kid, I can remember just that pa- they were panic attacks, but I didn't know that as a kid. And that heart racing and going out to my parents, and they would always say, You had a bad dream because I would describe these visuals going on in my head. But it turns out that was just my mind racing because of panic attacks. Oh and God. I kept saying, I'm not asleep. I'm not asleep. And they were like, You were having a bad dream. That's why your heart racing. That's why you can't sleep now. And I mean, I slept fine once I fell asleep. And so it was just like all these thoughts just just wouldn't stop it. Literally so I it happened was me last, Yeah, it happened to me yeah. last night
1: because I my sleep was messed up last night. So I took a couple of melatonin and sometimes mm-hmm. melatonin is my best friend and sometimes it is not. And last night it was not. And I was doing <laughs> that thing, which I've always, so I was diagnosed with insomnia when I was 18 and I can switch back to that, but I've always had sleep issues. Mm-hmm. And so last night, I know exactly what you're talking about. I was doing that thing where you start to fall. I, I used to call it drop waking where you start to drop in the sleep and you wake back up with like, (gasps) and Mm -hmm. so it was happening to me last night and it was like a dream, but it was like Mikey, my youngest ran out into the street and got hit by a car, wake up. Mm. And then like, so it sounds like a dream if you're describing it to a parent, which makes sense, but I was fully not fucking asleep. I was fully awake. And so that is brings me to when I, so my diagnosis was when I was 18 and I was in college, and my dad came up to visit me to take me to lunch. And he looked at me and was like, You do not look mm-hmm. right. Like, we're going to the doctor. And so he took me to the doctor, and I had not been sleeping. And I was having a lot of this, like, not sleeping through the night, dr- the drop waking, and then mm-hmm. the like scattered, like, really vivid dreams. And like really scary dreams and hearing things in my sleep. And I still have, I took a sleep study, my second sleep study last week, like sleep is always going to be an issue for me. So they diagnosed me with insomnia. That's when I got my first drugs. So did we both get our first drugs when we were
0: like 17, 18? I was a little older because that was when I first started seeking out therapy. And my dad, so my dad turns out had anxiety and I didn't know that before. His anxiety started when he had kids. He was Petrified when he would read like an article in the paper about a parent doing something awful to his kids, their kids, he would then internalize that and be like, What if I? And he started getting paranoid. He was also training for marathons at the time. And I think that had something to do with it. He probably. Yeah. I mean, he was in physical good shape, but not mentally. He had passed out in the shower, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And he didn't tell me until way later that he had to go on medication. And for some reason, he was anti-medication. He was like... Basically, like, <laughs> he, yeah. I guess one night he couldn't sleep and he watched um, those infomercials, you know, back in the 90s when they were on, yeah. maybe even 80s. And he had ordered these like books on tape and, you know, it came to like a briefcase and came oh with a my workbook. God, I'm obsessed. Yes. And he still had them and made me do them and it didn't work. <laughs> and what was he, the like coarse ideology of it? Um, basically like self-talk, like talk yourself out of it kind of thing, understanding what a panic attack was, understanding anxiety, oh. basically like if you understand it, you can cure yourself kind of thing, which. Okay. Mm, okay. Like, so like baby steps into Scientology maybe. Right? But like. And I'm like, <laughs> and he claims it worked for him, but I found out later he was on medication. Um, and it did not work for me. And when I traveled, I would get really bad anxiety because, especially as a kid, you take away all a kid's comforts and an anxious kid. And I was always paranoid about sickness. And so I was like, people are going to get sick and I'm going to get sick away from home. And being sick away from home was like the worst thing you could do to me. So we were in Mexico (laughs) and I got inflammation in my side, spiked a fever. Wasn't the first time it happened. My parents at least didn't know that that like anxiety could cause inflammation inside your body, but I've had it for so long that it did. And I, I mean, I used to get like side pains and that's how we talked about on another episode. And we'll talk about it again on birth control episodes. They diagnosed me with like oversensitive ovaries because they thought it was like cysts. Turns out it's all anxiety. Um, Which
1: I think is so interesting because I did not know that you could get, and mm -hmm. listeners potentially might not know, like I did not know you could get physical manifestations. Okay. I mean, I know about panic attacks, but I did not know that you can spike yeah. a fever and I didn't know you could have inflammation, which I find is something that is, what? Like if we all just talked about this, I like if yeah. I saw that in my body,
0: I would know that's a clue. Right, well, I mean, think about it. I've been struggling with this since I'm five and here I am 18 maybe and a big ball of nerves all the fucking time. Yeah, yeah. my body's gonna start being like, hey, <laughs> let's stop yeah. doing this. Um yeah. And so I went to like the little resort doctor and they're like, we think you have appendicitis. Go to the hospital. Oh so take an anxious God. person and put them in the hospital in Mexico. Go get like appendicitis. And talk about yeah. right, anxiety Go get an, an appendectomy
1: in Mexico.
0: Right? They, this was my favorite part. Um, and God bless my mom. She just held it all together. And she. my mom never struggled with anxiety. So this did not make sense to her. Um, mm. But of course, we think it's an appendicitis at the time. And... They hook me up to an IV. They put me in this tiny room. So I'm on an IV. So I can't really like do a whole bunch. And then they tell me, they give me a small little cup and tell me to pee in the cup in this room. And I'm like looking at my mom and I'm like, what, how? And there's like no trying to so figure out each no other. there's no toilet in the
1: room, right? No. Oh no.
0: And You're there's like- supposed to pee into a thimble yeah. and then just like, And I'm like, clench. do you want me to go to the bathroom and like try and wheel this IV? And they're like, no, no, like here, here. And I'm like, so I didn't do it, obviously. Turns out they just diagnosed me with like, basically like IBS at the time. And that was like the start of our journey. And then I was traveling again at a competition. This was in my senior year of high school. So I guess I was 18. What were you competing in? Um, broadcast journalism. Oh, Which fucking cool! I will say we were champions in the state and second in the nation. So, oh girl! <laughs> even with the panic attack, and I remember I was a zombie, and my mom. That's thinking, fucking cool. I was thinking it right? gonna be something nerdy like recorder competition. <laughs> 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 and I was with my best friend at the time, and you know I was just so nauseous in the morning. It was panic attacks, and of course everyone's like, "Are you pregnant?" And I'm like, "No, no, 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 no." And that was the first time we went to one of those like emer- emergency little – like the little room emergency things, not like the actual hospital. And that was the yeah. first time somebody was like, you're having panic attacks. And so here I am, 18, and like finally being told like, that's what it is. And I knew I had anxiety because at that point we knew enough about it. I knew but I enough didn't about your know own body to probably – Yes, but I didn't know all these like times where I'm sick, it's actually panic attacks. And like, I could not uh,
1: – like – I've have such a like long history with anxiety and depression to know, like, and I still had no idea it could manifest in physical mm-hmm. symptoms, which shows oh, yeah. how you and I are so open to talk about it. And we researched so much. Like we literally were sending back and forth articles mm-hmm. about it today, weren't we? Yeah. And we, I still didn't know that. And there's a lot I mm-hmm. still don't know. And I think that there's a lot that if we all started talking about it, we'd all have a bigger
0: bank of information to help yes. our doctors diagnose us. I think something that happens is a lot of doctors and a lot of people talk about anxiety and I don't think they talk about the varying levels of anxiety, depression, panic attacks, mental health in general, because I know a lot of people that do have anxiety. My brother has developed anxiety since my mom passed. And when he describes it, I can relate, but I don't think he can understand my general anxiety. That has no correlate. Like when, when I was a kid and I was anxious, I would beat myself up because I'm like, why am I anxious? I am in a secure home. I have parents that love me, that feed me. I'm active. I'm healthy. There is no reason for me to be anxious and to be having panic attacks, Mm -hmm. but yet I am. And so I think that that was like a really big, is a really big thing still today. And so those of you that are struggling with that, like, I feel you. I get you. I hear you. I feel you. (laughs) I get
1: you. I see you. And I, I think that's a really good point in that it's, a spectrum disorder. Like there is situational anxiety. There is just like, like I am diagnosed with major depressive disorder for life Mm
0: -hmm. and I am
1: diagnosed with, um, anxiety disorder, but it like my, my depression is major and here to stay. My Mm -hmm. anxiety kind of like does a teeter-totter back and forth depending on what's going on with my life and what's going on with Mm -hmm. my hormones and how many babies I've pushed out recently. And But it's always there. It's always kind of at a three and it's best. Mm -hmm. But there's been times when it's at a 12 when I can't get my shit off the floor. And that's when I know it's time to go to the doctor. And you and I have discussed this. Okay. So let's do a quick rundown of the medications we've taken Mm-hmm. And then we can kind of correlate them to what time of our life they occur. And then yeah. we can kind of talk about where we are now and what we know going back on. So my medication journey... I'm took ready a for that. Re- I know you're <laughs> so excited because you la- we were talking to make sure we didn't have too many that overlapped. And I was like, I have 15. I have to look them up. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. So I started on Trazodon. So Trazodon is a sleep aid. And so when I was initially diagnosed with anxiety, they assumed it was in relation to my insomnia. Which and Trazodon yeah. has been shown to have anxiety relieving effects. Mm. So they started me on Trazodon and kind of told me like, hey, you need to get more sleep. Long story short, we'll skip over. So my mom at the time was a full on alcoholic. Mm. and And how old, old are you? 18, 19. Okay. So I'm in college, I might be 20, because I'm in my second house. Um, And my mom and I were talking and she was like, Well, you know, when I can't sleep, I just have a couple of cocktails and I sleep fine. And I was like, (laughs) Oh, okay, well, I'll do that. And I just she's like, but don't take your sleep medication on the nights you do that. Well, uh, sleep medication is fucking boring. And I'm in college. So obviously, I'm going to choose the cocktail option.
0: So then if you have anxiety, anxiety and alcohol are not usually friends,
1: (laughs) honestly, like not even just from like a psychological standpoint, that's what finally broke me was like, I, my, my drinking and my anxiety could no longer coexist. And so I had to pick Mm -hmm. like drop one and work on the other. And it wasn't like, I was going to be like, Hey, anxiety, you got to go. I'm going to hang. Like I had to be like, peace out. Yeah. So while I'm drinking for sleep and anxiety and my insomnia and not taking my trazin on, the doctor prescribes me a which you had never heard of. And Mm-mm. one of my girlfriends um, did her like senior thesis on why it was so bad for you and was horrified that I was on it. And I was like, it's wow. fine. Don't worry about it. But like, <laughs> yes, I was drinking every night on top of it. So who knows? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So when she explained to me, like it was not ideal, um, I switched to Cymbalta. And I didn't switch to Cymbalta until I quit drinking. So I – from 18 to 23, I want to say, right after I turned 23 maybe, I was medicating with Effexor and drinking. And that was my anxiety. Mm -hmm. And when I decided that I couldn't drink and get my anxiety and depression under control anymore, I went on Cymbalta. Because I was like, you know what? I'm going to fucking quit this and dive like head on into this. Yeah. And – So they put me on Cymbalta and Cymbalta was great for me. And I was on Cymbalta for, so I met Josh when I was like 27, 26 or 27. So I was on Cymbalta that whole time. It was great. No weight gain. Wonderful. Loved it. And then Josh and I started getting really serious dating and he was like, I think I wanted to. I was like, I'm going to go off my medication because I don't think I should be on medication if we're going to try to get pregnant right after we get married. Because mm-hmm. we were talking – we were like we were going to get engaged and we kind of knew what was happening. So I went off my Cymbalta and I am very fucking severed. So I think I stayed off for two or three months because I was like, I am not going to go back on until it's fully cleared my system and I can fully analyze whether or not I need this. Mm-hmm. And I fucking needed it. I was a basket case. I don't remember most of that time. I went through horror. Like the withdrawals weren't as bad as some of the other medications I've come off of, but it was brutal. I need medication. I am a person. I have tried to go off of it. I am not the kind of person that's just taking it lightly. Like I have... Major biological disorder in my brain and need medication. I fast forward, so I'm on, I do a effects or Cymbalta, go back on Cymbalta, get pregnant, and then they're like, Well, Cymbalta is not approved for breastfeeding. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, Fuck, 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 fuck. And so it's fine when you're pregnant. Oh, fucking no, I, like, I mean, they never, they, fine never pulled, it be. Yeah, okay. they never pulled me off of it. But it wasn't safe. It was like a one schedule too low on safety for breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. So me and my OB were working to wean me off Cymbalta. And so I was like going down on Cymbalta and going up on something else. And I took three medications. So Zach came three weeks early while we had. So our plan was to taper off Cymbalta for four weeks and then start increasing this other drug. But we had just started and then Zach came three weeks early. So in the hospital, they pulled my Cymbalta and put me on whatever was next. Mm -hmm. And so I cycled through after Zach, three medications and I can't remember them all. But one of them was Prozac and it was two months of just like panic attacks. And that's not to say that it was the medication they put me on, but it could have been just the withdrawal of hard stopping Cymbalta. And And hormones from having a baby. Hormones, like I have a two-week or two-month-old baby. They hard-stop my Cymbalta. I go through three medications in two months. And then we finally settled on Zoloft, Mm -hmm. which is the one that you and I have in common. Yeah. And so I'm going to just, so I was on Zoloft for two years, then I did two years on Trintellix, which is a, they call it like Wellbutrin without the panic. So if you have anxiety disorder, they often won't give you Wellbutrin because it can heighten your anxiety. And okay. so Trintellix was this brand new drug and you had to like jump through a lot of hoops to get it approved. You had to have like three prior authorizations and like mm-hmm. it was crazy. And so I took that for two years and then um, started checking my hormones. And so then I ended up right now I'm currently on a thyroid medication, which helps with my energy. My whole family. Do you have thyroid thyroid issues? Yep. So which I didn't know I have very low grade. My sister has like very high grade and a lot of my dad's side of the family has thyroid issues. Mm. And so I'm currently on a thyroid medication and I only bring that up because hypothyroidism and hyperthyroidism Mm -hmm. are super important to bring into this discussion. Yeah. I've had mine tested
0: so many times.
1: Right. And it is, if there's something wrong with that baby, like you're mm-hmm. never going to get your anxiety and depression in order. I'm sorry. No. Like it's impossible because you're just a basket case or you can't right. get off the floor. And that's how I knew I literally had a day where I couldn't get off the floor. I was laying yeah. on the floor wrestling with the kids and they got up and left. And Josh was like, Are you going to come? And I was like, I can't, I can't do it. And he was like, You're going to the doctor to get your meds checked. And so, I did Trintelix for two years, and I'm, so I'm on thyroid medicine, and I'm currently on Xanax and Prozac. The Xanax, I started off at 0.5, and now I'm on one. And they double my doctor doubled it because I was having a lot of issues. And then I was just in the last three months diagnosed with PMDD, which we can talk about because you and I also didn't know anything about PMDD yeah. until I was diagnosed. And I think that is something that more women should talk about. Even though it's embarrassing and has to do with periods and things that are so big, like, don't talk about periods in public, lady. You bleed. What? What? Oh my God! Don't even. Today has been like Dexter over here. I'm not even kidding. That's my medical like history, and I do want to come back mm-hmm. and touch on um, PMDD, but I want to hear what your medication history is. Okay, so
0: you ready to hear about my anxious brain? Because my list is I am. short. Um, my list is short because you struggle more with depression Mm -hmm. and causes anxiety. I struggle with anxiety. I have had, since I've been older, I've been diagnosed with depression twice. I've gotten out of both of those depressions, but they were caused from severe anxiety attacks That I could not mentally get out of.
1: Okay. Mine's like the, like you said, mine's like the opposite. Like my anxiety comes from my depression and your depression comes from your uncontrolled I did not
0: struggle with depression until after my son was born. So yours were like kind of pregnancy related depressions. Weren't they? Or were they two? Were they different? No. The one I was not pregnant for. I think it was just life in general. I had a really, really bad depression, which I am very open to talk about, but I don't think right now is like the time because- Oh yeah. We're going to do an episode
1: that's like (laughs) a full-on trigger warning episode where we, if people are interested, we were talking about this. If people are interested, we want to give you all the gory details, Mm -hmm. but we also don't want this episode to be triggering. And so we're going to keep it like very like, tip of the iceberg. But if you want us to go to the bottom of the iceberg, mm-hmm. we will if you just oh, let yes. us know. But we don't want to And I would sti-
0: love to talk to anyone who's going through it. Um, Absolutely. Because yeah. it gets real fucking dark. Right. And so I don't know if mine was pregnancy related because I was pregnant. My mom died. Our fucking four of our dogs died, including my mom's two. My mom was supposed to be my birth doula and that was out. And oh,
1: I never knew that. Oh, oh and
0: my dad had Alzheimer's. So, uh, oh my God, who knows if it was hormones or life, but yeah, Fuck. so right. And so, I've also been diagnosed with OCD, but it's related. Which I to didn't know anxiety. until
1: today, and I yeah. love a good OCD, which I'm not oh, making yes. light of it. My brother has it severely or had it severely. I don't know what his mm-hmm. current status is. But I think it is something that – that I think the most shameful thing you can talk about almost is
0: yeah. OCD. And why well, and I that? used to get like really offended when – because people would call me OCD not knowing I had it because I'm a very type A person. Yes. And people would be like, oh, you're so OCD or why do you have mm-hmm. to be so OCD about it? And it used to offend me so much. And now I'm just like, thank you because that means I'm very organized. Or thank you because yeah. that means – and I've tried to like flip it because I know that their definition of OCD is not the true definition of OCD because I've struggled with it. I think that's um, very important that you differentiate that too because
1: I, since knowing someone that has OCD, try to make it a point to not use that in flipping that with you're mm-hmm. so type A. I, you'll hear me say like you're so type A. You will often yeah. not hear me say you're so OCD, but I think that's very Important, probably. I to like that bra, that bra pop, by the
0: way. If anyone's promised, wondering, that was a bra
1: pop. I promised I wouldn't pop my bra at all today. And how many times have I done it? That was the first one. And I just had good, to, to laugh. I'm wearing kind of a good bra today. So I'm excited. Um, uh, sounds good.
0: Very secure. It's,
1: la- it's laundry day. So, I mean, things are up and where they should be. Because right. um, all my comfy bras are in the wash. Um, <laughs> But I think that's an important, I appreciate you saying that because that makes me feel because I'm very like up, like never say OCD because you don't know if the Mm -hmm. person actually knows someone with OCD, but you saying that you feel that that is, you have flipped it in your head to be a compliment and maybe Mm -hmm. not everyone has that same feeling, but that makes me feel better that there are some people that can hear it as a joke and still take it without it being. And it wasn't always that way. No, but I Um, think that's important that you say that so people think before they just call someone OCD. Like if you know someone with OCD or you have OCD, it's not a fun Mm -hmm. thing for you to say.
0: But I mean, that's today's society too. Like we're a lot more sensitive about everything, the terms we used. I mean, I would hate to say some of the terms we used (sighs) growing up. Um, no. <laughs> and now you don't even think about saying it. Say no. them all, Jenna. No. Let's get our oh podcast my gosh. canceled on beep, episode beep, two. Beep, beep, <laughs> um, So, my list is very short because part of my anxiety is I am scared of change and I am scared that I will run out of medications. And so, I will exhaust the medication until it does not work. So, I'm right into the ground. Oh, yes. So, <laughs> I started. Um, First of all, it took me forever to find a therapist I love. So if you are out there and you're going to a therapist and you don't think it's right, go to another one. Even if they're in the same practice. My current therapist is in a practice where I saw someone else who is like next door to her and it was really awkward at first, but I'm like, this is what I needed. So in college, I finally found a therapist and she was wild, like wild red hair, not what you would expect. Yeah. And she was fucking amazing. She's exactly what I needed. And she was the one that said, you need medication. You cannot get over this hump unless you have medication. I'm not saying you have to be on medication for your whole life, but you need it. Yeah. And she said her first symptom or her first sign that I needed it was I was sitting in her office and she saw me counting her ceiling tiles and going, um, I'll try and describe this so that, cause you guys can't always see it. Um, like finger to finger, like touching each fingertip back yep. and forth. Yeah. As I said, and my other ball was in a fist and I was in as tight of a cocoon as I could be in a chair. And she was <sighs> like, is this basically like, is this how you always are? And I was I had no idea I was doing any of those behaviors until she said it. And even when I went to go get medication, I had to go to another doctor. She said the same thing. And then I was like, oh, my stomach doesn't have to be in a ball 24-7 when I started medication. And it was a glorious thing. But they started me on Lexapro and Clonopin as a mixture. Okay, tell me.
1: Okay, so I've always tried to get Lexapro because I've heard such good things. Mm-hmm. And I have heard of clonopin, but I know nothing about it. So what is your, obviously we are not medical experts, but like no. what is your like synopsis of each one for people that don't have experience with them?
0: So now I know, okay, so let me pause there. So that was in college. And then I was like, I'm good. I can get off of it. I'm good. Mm -hmm. That's always how it happens. And then right before I got married, I started having panic attacks again for no reason. Went back on. I asked, I went to the same doctor. I said, can I get back on this? They were like, sure. So they put me on it. Then I got off of it again because I was going to get, no, because I was pregnant and I cold torqued it, had, if you want to know what they're called, they're called like brain zaps. Brain zaps. Google it. Love love you Exactly. It feels it. exactly like that. Brain to teeth zaps. I can Here's feel it I right describe. now. You're just saying it. Right. <laughs> and so now I'm at another therapist because I've moved. We're in Virginia and I am on Lexapro and clonopin And I go to this therapist and she was like, how long have you been on clonopin And I was like, well, this is my third time. And so this is after my son was born. And I'm like, this is my third time. Da, 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 da. And she was like, so years. And I'm like, yeah, definitely. She basically told me that that's not healthy because clonopin is more of like a emergency drug. Okay. Like things are out of control. Yeah. I need to get over this hump. I'm having a really hard time. I'm about to go through a stressful situation, not an everyday use. So I had been having it as an everyday use. So of course then I start spiraling. Yeah. <laughs> and I went to the doctor who prescribed it. And she was like, yeah, definitely. Like we don't want you on this forever. And I'm like, why has no one ever told me that? Even Ugh. when she prescribed it to me, she didn't tell me that. It's um, fucking annoying. Right? And I
1: know. I'm um, mad. I'm upset now and I don't know any of, I wasn't there. I know. This is over. And I like, it's, it's so true yeah. though. If you aren't advocating for yourself and checking mm-hmm. up every six months or a year and being like, can we re like negotiate mm-hmm.
0: this contract? Right. You get fucking
1: just stuck into yeah. a filing cabinet.
0: Yes, and I will say, when I was pregnant with my son, I went off of it, and I was perfectly fine. I got back yeah. on it after because my mom was passing away. This is my depression. So this is my first depression. This is when I had to seek out help. So they put me back on and Klonopin, Lexapro and Clonopin. Lexapro and Clonopin, and it was a bad depression. It was scary. It was hard. It had a lot of anxiety and that's when I was told, I think you're having anxiety, which has led to depression because you're going through a, a very depressive situation. But I mean, I was having all these panic attacks as well. And it was, it was, was a mess. this like, was this a, okay, so we're not going to get into the
1: specifics of the dark times we said on mm-hmm. this episode. But can I just ask, was it a long duration of little things? Or was it like a couple of really big sharp things that
0: happened to send you back on mm-hmm. medication? I can tell you it was like three days of bad anxiety. And I hit a, a bottom. And I remember first yelling at my husband and my son and the dog. And that's how I'm like, oh my gosh, my anxiety is coming back. And then it just never went away. And then it was depressive. And so then I got pregnant again. (laughs) And during this, my mom is passing away or has just passed. I'm not sure. So I get off my medication and I was still on clonopin because I just couldn't quite get off of it yet. And I take everything off cold turkey and I'm about 30 weeks pregnant now. So I've been off medication pretty much the whole pregnancy. I found out very early. I was like four weeks when I found out I was pregnant and stopped medication. And I hit the worst depression I have ever hit. It was beyond scary. So then my midwife was like, let's put you back on Lexapro. She assured me it was as safe as it can be for pregnancy. Of yeah. course, nothing is safe. Um, it is a safe. You know what else noisy. is
1: not safe? being unmedicated in right. the darkest well. well so like and you she have to yes. yeah you have to really weigh the like nothing is safe for pregnancy mm-hmm. but you know an unmedicated manic depressive is also yes. and i manic depression is a separate entity but like
0: mm-hmm.
1: there an unmedicated pregnant mother is much unsafer. Yeah. Well, and I will say
0: like, you've heard me push for midwives because they are a godsend. And I went to a midwife I had never seen and she struggled with very similar issues. And I just cried and cried. And I was like, and you're functioning and you're okay. and And she was the sweetest. And then my regular midwife that night called me and emailed me to make sure I was okay and called me the next day. So if you don't see a midwife, PSA. I told my sister Um, (laughs) that you
1: see a midwife and she was like, oh my God, I saw a midwife last time and it was the best experience of life. And she doesn't even have kids. Like she was I was like, You "You don't have to have kids to
0: see a midwife.
1: I guess what I didn't know that either. So I've never seen a midwife. I am like so jazzed about it because when I leave Virginia, I have to find a new OB situation. And I love my current, so I'm down.
0: So now I'm pregnant, depressed. Scared out of my mind and feeling guilty about taking this medication when I'm like 32 or 33 weeks pregnant. Yeah. So they put me on Lexapro, and I don't know if it was the hormones or the fact that I didn't have Clonopin with it. It was awful. I was sweating. And this is just in the first 24 hours in my panic attack. It's panic attack after panic attack after like, I cannot breathe and I am sweating. I am shaking. And so I call the midwife and she was like, I don't want to say give it time because this sounds miserable and you're very pregnant. And so she switches me to Zoloft and talks to me for like an hour because I'm (laughs) a mess. And I'm like, are you sure this is going to work? Is it And I have been on it ever since. I have increased it once. Um, I was on the lowest dose because, again, I'm always paranoid about topping out, and yep. I've had Give to it lots it of room to grow. I know. And my <laughs> midwife even was like, when I increased it, she was like, "You are fine. It has been. My daughter is three now. She's like, it, it's been a year. It's natural to have to increase. We have so many options. She has to reassure me every time. But I'm on oh loft Yeah. I'm not going to say I'm anxiety free because there are situations. And I think that's other another misconception. There are situations that set off my anxiety, but it's manageable and it's not something that I am having panic attacks every day. I'm not having racing heart every day, all these things that associate with anxiety. So Yeah. And I have an uncle that, and this
1: is just a quote that I love from him. He is basically like a gruff Clint Eastwood, like mental health <laughs> doesn't exist. But he has said to me, "It there's a certain amount of anxiety that is normal to being a mm-hmm. human. Or we wouldn't survive. And right. people should not aim to have no anxiety because a certain amount of anxiety is necessary to the mm-hmm. proliferation of humankind. Yes. Like it's what have pushes to be, you forward to do so. Yeah, you yeah. have you have to be nervous, you're gonna get hit by a car crossing the street. Like that's right. just how the world works. But unmanageable, right. chaotic crawling on the floor anxiety is not what
0: proliferates
1: yep. the human race. Right. So um, differentiating between the two is important.
0: It very much is. And I will say that I have also tried all the natural supplements under the sun. As a kid, my parents had me on St. John's wort. I don't know if you remember that big Ooh, kick back in the was day. Th-
1: that was a mm-hmm. hot topic on like yes. Phil Donahue, honey.
0: Right? And this is, I mean, I'm like 12 or 13, I think. Yes. And so I tried all that. I've done the food testing, I will say diet plays a role, but for me, it's not the solution. I know okay. if I eat gluten and a lot of sugary foods, I'm also a vegan. So I don't eat a ton of, well, I don't eat any like meat animal products. Um, and <laughs> you're I will,
1: vegan, You're a vegan right? that just dabbles in meat
0: eating. <laughs> just a little <laughs> bacon on the side. Um, <laughs> but I will say that since I have gone vegan, I used to get tummy issues with my anxiety. Mm. And I still do. I still get, if you know what the dump is. You know what I'm talking about in terms of anxiety. <laughs> but I used to get it every time, like yes. a bad, bad cramps to where if I went to a friend's house, I was paranoid it would happen. And I would take a heating pad with me yeah, um, because of anxiety, of course. Yes, um, yes. And since I've gone vegan, it has not been like that. I do not get the yeah. cramps. I don't know if that's just like a dairy thing or what, but um, I think yeah, it's I've a dairy thing. Yeah. Okay,
1: but I find that – so we also – I was ta- – and you and I had discussed this before. The, this is our first, like, friend of the podcast. Like, so we wanted to talk about, like, Western medicine, and then we also mm-hmm. want to talk about, like, the op- the um, alternative medicine side. Right. So I think there is a place – and so I had a, a friend of the podcast that is very open with her struggles reach out to me today, and she's going – I snapped my bra again. She's going <laughs> through – Um, a hard point in her anxiety. And she's in the process of being tested for OCD. And Mm -hmm. she asked me if I'd ever taken Lexapro because I'm very open about what medications work and what medications don't. And I said, no, but I've always wanted to (laughs) like, Oh, I've always wanted. It's like (laughs) restaurants like, Oh, I've always wanted to try that restaurant. Um, And so I said, I think my co-host on the podcast has done foods because she said she's going to do food sensitivity testing. And she's going to talk to, she, they're talking about Lexapro and she's being tested for OCD. And I was like, and then she was asking me if I'd ever used CBD oils. And Mm -hmm. I had said, yes, I have tried them. I haven't had a good experience with them and I haven't had a bad experience. I just had a null experience, but Mm -hmm. I know that you have used them. Have you used, so, and I don't know what your (laughs)
0: success has been with them Um, or lack of. So in high school, I smoked marijuana for my anxiety not for my anxiety but I did it and I know it was a coping mechanism okay so I assumed it would work cbd oil would work great for me I didn't do oil I did gummies they did not they made my forehead hurt <laughs> which sounds so <laughs> weird but I think that's a place I keep a lot of tension and so like yeah. the whole time I'm like why does my forehead hurt and then I felt okay but then the next day my anxiety was heightened and my stomach yeah. was a little funny. And I noticed that both times. And I did the gummies, and my brother got them from California. So, you know, he got the good shit.
1: Yeah. And, and that's what I'm wondering because
0: like, I too think high of a dose. Like,
1: yeah, I think you can, I think there is a differentiation between CBD oil and gummies because I think the gummies do have some THC in them potentially. And yes. we might have to do a whole nother correction podcast on all yeah. of this. But I have gotten good, high grade CBD oil. And she and mm-hmm. I, the friend of the podcast and I were talking about. She said it makes her anxiety worse. And I said, Mine same. Too. And I know friends that don't even have anxiety that have said the day after they take an edible, their anxiety is high, mm-hmm. like similar yeah. to a hangover and yes, anxiety and hangovers don't mix anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also very interesting is that you have talked about how yours is mostly anxiety and you used to use marijuana as a crutch, which makes sense. And mine is mostly depression, and I used alcohol as a crutch, mm-hmm. which also makes sense because those are very common coping mechanisms before you know how to yes. doctor correctly and medicate right. correctly, or you can't, or you don't have insurance in college, or yeah. this, that, or the other thing,
0: or, or you, you don't want to tell a, anyone that something's going on, so you just yeah. say what can make this go away. Well, yeah, or you don't want to out. Duh.
1: Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god! And you know what helps insomnia? Just Fucking passing out on alcohol, guess what? You're not going to have insomnia, but you're going to wake up sick as shit and anxiety beyond belief. Like,
0: yes, yeah. And if you're out there and you think, you know, I need medication, feel free to be open about it. Feel free to reach out to us about it. But if you are receiving shame, I got shame about it because by who? By my parents. (gasps) My mom told me it was her biggest fight because my dad was anti medication. My mom was like, I'm in the, I went to the hospital with her twice, actually three times. Cause I went once in college as well. And I see that this is a very real thing. My mom's like, I don't understand it, but something is not right with our daughter and we need to figure this out. And my mom told me she had guilt because looking back, she was like, I saw signs now that I know what it is when you were five. But you know, I just kept telling her you had no idea, but if that is you, you don't have to be open. Like we are about talking about it. It can be your little secret but just talk to your doctor, your midwife, your OBGYN, your anyone, anyone mm-hmm. in the medical profession you can talk to. I did not know. I thought, cause I got my first medication through a, mm. what is it? Psychologist. Is that right?
1: So psychiatrist, psychiatrist? can prescribe medication. Okay. Psychologists
0: cannot. Right. So that's how I went the first time. Then when I got put back on it, I didn't realize I could just get it from my fucking PCV. And I would have been like, Isn't that the greatest? I get yeah. mine from my
1: OB, honey.
0: Like yes. check check my yes. downstairs and check my upstairs and let's call it a day. Right? <laughs> and, that, and now I get mine through my midwife, which is to me personally, it's so much easier because I see her yearly. The communication with my midwife is very open. She has been there through everything, all my life changes, including losing parents. And to get an appointment with her is so much easier. Versus if you're even trying to see, yes, or even a therapist in general, like, do these online ones. Because sometimes if you call, they might say it's a two-week waiting window. And when I was in my deep depression, I couldn't even call. My husband, God bless him, had to call. And he had to say, this is basically a life or death situation. She needs to get in to see someone now. And they don't fully understand that. So even if you can't get into a therapist, at least go see your OBGYN, go see your doctor, go Mm -hmm. see someone to get your foot in the door because it is so important. And be
1: brutally honest about it. And then I, another point that I wanted to make you and I are, I have, you've read untamed, right? Oh yeah. I was going to say, get the fuck off this. (laughs) This (laughs) This is our Bible. Right. And you will read it. Get off the podcast and go <laughs> I knew you had. But so she talks about an untamed, which I think is very important if you're new to this whole thing. Your worst days, go in your journal and write yes. how you feel on your worst days. Okay, thank so you. Yes. Two weeks later, when you get a fucking appointment, you can mm-hmm. be like, because you'll feel fine in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Or you might yes. not fine, but you'll probably feel a lot better. And you won't remember. It's kind of like childbirth. Like you don't remember how bad it is. Mm-hmm. But if you can go back to that, like, journal and be like, oh, so I'm going to read this to you. This is how I felt in my darkest. Yep. Then they can properly diagnose you instead of, like, by the time you get to the appointment, you're like, um, I don't know. I felt bad when I called, but
0: mm-hmm. I don't know. It was, like, whatever. And yes. and we're so good at downplaying it. I will say, one of my good friends, I'm not going to name her for privacy issues. Friend of the I, podcast number right? two. Friend of the <laughs> podcast number two. I made her do this because she kept... Yes. Describing anxiety and some depression to me and saying, "I need to go to the doctor." And then she would cancel her appointments or be like, "But now I feel fine." And I was like, yes. "Write it down. Write it down. Write yes. it down." And now yes. she's on medication and she's fucking thriving and I was so proud of her for going. Bravo. Like, right. Cuz it's friend so- of the podcast. Yes. <laughs> and even sometimes just walking out your front door to go to your appointment, you start to feel better and you're like, well, I wasn't feeling great, but now it's not so bad. And oh my god, you're completely it. completely, it's completely right. Ridiculous what we do to ourselves. So it
1: is. It's bananas. And I think when you're in the deep spots, you need to write it down so you can remember it when you come back up. And mm-hmm. another thing that I don't think is getting as much attention is so I am in the process of starting to do testing for ADHD, which is very if you dive into like adult um diagnosis of ADHD. It's very interesting. But you can like perform well in school and have made it fine through the 90s without needing medication and done fine in college. But they're finding now that a lot of women who think that they have depression actually have ADHD or anxiety actually have ADHD. And a big tip of this, and I learned all this from Nikki Glaser, who is a comedian, and she's done a couple of podcasts where she talks about She was having, this might be triggering, so I'll keep it very basic, but she was having suicidal ideations, which are different Mm -hmm. from suicidal attempts. And we can talk about this in a further podcast, whether or not we've struggled with this. But she said once she figured out it was ADHD and started taking the proper medication, those suicidal ideations went away and her whole world opened Mm -hmm. up. And you have to go to a psychiatrist to get that. My OB cannot diagnose me with ADHD. So now I have to know. get on the yep yeah. so I have to get on the psychiatrist waitlist which I have to wait to do till I move to Chicago because mm-hmm. you can't which also pisses me and my therapist off so much we had a big vent session you can't see therapists in other state oh. even though telemed is a thing now like all of my therapy appointments are telemed but That's I can't see my current therapist when I move even though she's all telemed so she was like I'm hoping that covid will change some of these regulations yeah. so that we can, you should be able to have a continuash- continuation of care when you find a good therapist.
0: Right. Especially since everything's online now. And That's I also think
1: a big thing that we learned, and I'm sure, did you learn this from My Favorite Murder, or other favorite podcast? Going on psychology today is such an important resource for anyone out there because you can go to psychology today, put in what type of health insurance you have filter out therapists, not seeing new patients and filter out therapists that aren't what you're looking for. And then you can also oh. like click in to filter like your biggest issues and they will recommend therapists to you. And then I you did not know that. Them, mm. Cool. That's how I find my best therapist and also never settle for a therapist. Never. I have, tr- I have gone through no I've matter through what the- their ratings are. I've <laughs> gone through three since I've been in Virginia and I've been here for two years and I, yeah, I'm on my very third as well. Mm -hmm. I am very thankful to Karen and Georgia, my favorite murder, for empowering women and repeating it 100 times until it got through my stupid thick head to Mm -hmm. not settle for a medication that just makes you feel okay and to not settle for a therapist that is just okay. Mm -hmm. Because it's the anxiety
0: and the expectation and all of that. We are scared to speak up. Speak up for yourself, especially when it comes to mental health because that is so important. And you'll know when you find the right therapist. So if you're questioning it, don't be like, I'll give it another session. Yeah. No, no. You're paying good money and this is so important. So find one that works. And they should understand you're not the first person to have searched around for a therapist. We've all done it.
1: Completely agree. And they don't get hurt feelings. And if they do, then they're really in the wrong profession. They're in the wrong fucking profession. Another thing I wanted to mention on friend of the podcast question regarding food sensitivity. My Uh anxiety, and like you said, gluten affects you. I have had food allergy testing and I am allergic to the sulfites in wine and something in soy sauce. Both of those, if I ever eat those, or if I have too much sodium will trigger my anxiety the next day or right at the time. Like if I were to drink wine with sulfites, I would instantly get hives up my neck and I would Uh instantly start feeling heart palpitations. And so- You can go to your regular doctor and get a food sensitivity test and it's covered by insurance and you can say like, I'm having, and they'll just give you the basics. I mean, it's a bunch of pokes in your back. It doesn't really hurt. But I think if, if you, I think exploring it from a Western standpoint with therapy and medication and exploring it from a, um, alternative medicine standpoint, all of these are important things, but you are never going to get a foot in the fucking door if you're not advocating for yourself and advocate for your fucking kids.
0: Yes. That's well, and I want to touch on the, the food sensitivity and come back to the kid thing because that's really important. But real quick on the food sensitivity, I did the Everly test and I really liked it. Okay. That's the one that you just like order online. My husband got it for me. Um, and it's a it finger came prick, up, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And it came up as like cheddar cheese and stuff. And it was interesting because it was very true because at the time I was doing CrossFit and I was eating more dairy than usual because I was a vegetarian, not a vegan yet.
1: Yeah. And
0: yeah. I was having basically like arthritis, like a 90-year-old. And then I cut out cheddar cheese or dairy in general and it all went away. But I will say, yeah, I will say if you have access and financial means to go to a naturopath to do it, they're trying to get it. There's this huge push right now to try and get it covered by insurance because it's not and it's very expensive. But I did an old, old, old school food intolerance test. And it's so different than an allergy intolerance is basically something you're born with and it doesn't develop and it will always be a trigger. And mine were so weird. They're fruit with sugar. So like jams or Um, pies, I know. And potatoes and my body just has a hard time breaking those down. And so I, yeah. And cheddar dairy didn't even show up. And I don't know if it's because I've been a vegan for so long, which it shouldn't matter. But now I know like I had to do combination ones to kind of figure it out. And I'm not perfect about either one. But I know the repercussions. But yeah, it's just it's really interesting. And so there's so many different types of food. So there's food allergy, which is like you're actually allergic to, you'll yep. have like a, a physical reaction. And there's yep. food sensitivity, food intolerance. And so just maybe explore them all if you have the means. which
1: you and I are both gluten sensitive, but yes. we like my sister has full grade highest level celiac. I right. have a I have a gluten intolerance, which means mm-hmm. I get like upset. Tell me. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, but like, and you manifest, you, what is your gluten manifestation?
0: Um, so I've been struggling with hives for almost two years now. Okay. And I knew that's was one, something more yeah. physical. Okay. Yeah. But the gluten in general, it's always been an issue for me. It just causes um, inflammation in my body. And okay. it's something I know, and it causes heightened anxiety, but it's a buildup. Like if I have one piece of bread, I'll be fine. But if I eat it like two days in a row, then I'm going to be like, oh, and then if I keep going, we're going down a rabbit hole. So
1: oh, I can't yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> tell us on another right?
1: episode where it's just Jenna's bowel movement. Oh. <laughs> we need some sound effects. Ew. Um, but I think that and that's what you and I's big thing is on this podcast is mm-hmm. our goal in done playing by the rule is to talk about things that people don't talk about to normalize it. Mm-hmm. And we want to also be piggyback off that in talking about things that aren't talked about, and we want to talk about them in front of our kids. Yes. Because guess fucking what? We have a high likelihood of having kids with mental health issues, even if their lives are perfect.
0: Because and not just that. Like, Think about what our kids have gone through. Like, I know a lot of people true, have said their kids are struggling true. with anxiety. Like, Their whole worlds have changed. Their whole worlds have changed. Let's just throw in there that our oldest watched our parents pass. So there's that, there's trauma, there's everything. And I would love to do an episode eventually on trauma and kids. Yes. But I think that, like, I know personally, like when my dad was like, you don't need medication, like that put a level of shame on me to where I tried to hide anything. And so then I stopped telling my parents about these anxiety attacks and stuff. And so if we can be open with our kids about Mm -hmm. us, it teaches them to be open. And if your kid has anxiety or depression, they're going to be okay. Just support them and love them and get them the help they need. Or even your spouse, your significant other, like my husband has been a godsend through mine, but it's not Mm -hmm. something he understands because he does not have Mm -hmm. anxiety or depression, but it's something he has supported me in. So even if you yourself don't like support those that have support it. your spouses because <laughs> yes. maybe maybe your
1: husband is the one that needs you to call and say he, he's mm-hmm. laying on the floor right now I don't know what's wrong with him he needs to see someone this week and Today. like <laughs> and I am reading a book right now which is obviously fiction but it's called The Push and it's about a mom that starts seeing uh mental health issues in her child but she's too ashamed to say anything because Aww. her husband is it's the best fucking book and um again I'm going to celebrity name drop but uh maybe Nikki Glaser and I were um, DMing (laughs) back and forth about what a good book it is, but it's so good. And so she posted about it last night and I was like, I'm in the middle of reading it. Like it's so good. And she was like, here's the other books I'm going to order. But it's a thing that we don't want our kids to be, to stand out. And this woman in the book is trying to protect her husband from thinking that he doesn't have a perfect wife and a perfect child when the kid is fucked up. And like, If you notice things about your kids, like I took Zach to therapy after my dad passed because he was having super acute anxious moments or after my dad's motorcycle accident. So this had been two years before he passed away, but after he suffered his traumatic brain injury and sometimes kids need a little therapy and guess what? Guess how resilient kids can be if they're given the tools. So Zach needed two therapies and was basically like cured because they taught him how to do breathing exercises. Mm -hmm. and explain to him like, yeah, what you're going through is scary. And like, sometimes when you're in the throes of not understanding what's wrong with your kid, you can't verbalize it, but a therapist can. Mm -hmm. And I just really want to advocate for if something feels off about your kid, get ahead of it. Don't wait for it to turn into something bigger because the quicker we can give them the toolbox to heal themselves inside, the less, traumatic and long-term any sort of therapy is going to be. And, and that I goes can't for say that people for every... in general.
0: Yeah. Like... Yes.
1: Yeah. And we can't say that for everyone. There's people that have like right. long-term, deep-seated childhood issues and trauma and things like that. But like there are situations where you can get ahead of it and like yeah. treat it. But if, if, if you're in it for the long haul, I have a girlfriend that has a teenager that's in it for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Keep advocating. She advocates the shit out of that kid and takes yeah. him to every doctor she can. And he is living a normal life where – maybe 50 years ago, he would not have been because she right. will not stop fighting for him.
0: Yeah. If my mom didn't fight for me, I mean, who knows what and would have happened? Yeah. Like- and
1: I felt the same way when I went mm-hmm. and had to s- decide to stop drinking. I went and I was actually in the hospital for a little bit while they evaluated my medication, like to put me on a new medication and to like get me off drinking. The hospital I was in, I don't, I think I was there for like a couple days. My dad was, I was like, oh, they're having an AA meeting this afternoon. My dad was like, don't go to that. You're not an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, 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 okay. And so like my dad, mm-hmm. who is someone that has always been very open and loved me unconditionally, put an instant shame, like mm-hmm. notation on that. So I relate to what you're saying about like, if you feel shame from a parent, you're much more likely to kind of just like try to suck it all in, right? which doesn't go away. You can't swallow it down and like poop it out. Like it's going to sit in your stomach in a ball of nerves, like you said, until you deal with it.
0: We are going to have an episode on like kids and resiliency and big emotions. Mm-hmm. And I think that is going to tie into all of this so much. And it's going to be that our children in general and us. And that's one I'm really, really excited for.
1: I'm excited like, about the resilience episode. I'm excited. If people um, want us to go deeper into this, I'm happy to go mm-hmm. deeper into it. We're going to do an episode on um, our family's history with alcoholism because both mm-hmm. of us have intermittent alcoholism throughout our families and ourselves or not. <laughs> is, yeah. All and of it. So. All of it. And We're going to do episodes that have, are going to have trigger warnings at the beginning and we'll be as open as Mm -hmm. people want us to be. But we also just want to advocate for therapy and mental health.
0: Yeah. And And no matter how like hippie you are, like I see a naturopath doctor and a midwife and they are okay with my medication because they know sometimes you need it. And my naturopath has tried like everything under the sun and I have read articles and I have tried to let myself get off the medication. But you know what? I've had to accept that this is who I am and this is what I need. If my, like my therapist told me, like if my arm was broken, I wouldn't be walking around with my arm hanging off. No, well, I'd and, seek help. Like that's yes. the same thing
1: medication. And it's no, and I've had to explain it to my husband because he doesn't have a history of mental health in his family and he doesn't necessarily know it. And I mm-hmm. say, Josh, if I had a tumor in my brain, I'd get it taken out. Yeah. I instead don't have enough serotonin in my brain. So I have to get it put in. Right, that's what SSRIs are for me. I am getting serotonin put in when you would get a tumor taken out.
0: Exactly. It's just so that brings us to our closing little slogan, and this is kind of where (laughs) it stemmed from because Mm -hmm. we have been very open with each other about therapy and meds and our other friends as well, um, because it has a stigma attached to it. So, as always, remember to call your therapist and take your meds.